0: I need again to acknowledge my sources. I always run what I want to say through my life group. And on this particular occasion, they were very vocal and made lots of contributions to what I want to say now. The passage we're looking at is Matthew chapter 25, And beginning at the first verse. Then the kingdom will be like ten young girls who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. For the foolish, when they took their lamps, took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom, come forth to meet him. Then all those young girls got up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Perhaps there won't be enough for us and for you. Go to those that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went away to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready for the marriage feast went in, and the door was shut. And afterwards the other young girls came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, I tell you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour The kingdom of heaven is like. Can I remind you that these last couple of months, it is, or more, we've been looking at parables which deal with the kingdom of heaven. And this has not been simply an academic exercise. The kingdom of heaven is not just something that we carry around in our minds. It's meant to be the way we live. At the moment, we live in a nation which is in what appears to be a a situation of disintegration, of crisis. And during the week that follows, our rulers are going to have to make some very hard decisions which will affect us all. And I'm asking you, here and now, to commit the next couple of days to praying for South Africa. I think we're going through a very dangerous phase at the moment and it could get worse and I believe we need to pray we've been singing about the king the king whose kingdom we claim to be part of and a kingdom too is not just a mental entity a kingdom is a place where people live There has to be a king in a kingdom, but there have to be subjects also. And we are seeking to walk with the king in his ways and following what he wants. We ought to be creating a counterculture within the secular culture in which we all live. Are we? All the parables we've been looking at have been suggesting areas in which we ought to be different from the world in which we live. We ought to be reflecting the kind of society which he wants and which he is leading us into. The trouble with parables is that very often (coughs) We take them as isolated stories, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, and we know the story. But Jesus never told a parable without a context. It was always a reason he told it, and the Bible gives us those reasons. Jesus finds himself confronted with a question or a situation and he tells a story. And that story loses its meaning unless you realize the context. Now the first thing about this parable of the the ten young girls is that it doesn't stand alone. It is one of four parables. And that is its context, and we're not going to actually understand it unless we know what comes before and what comes after. There is a parable of uh, a man going away and setting somebody to look after the home situation, to look after those of his servants who are still trying to run the home to make sure they get fed, to make sure that their work is in order. And the master will return. After this parable comes a parable about a man in authority who is, again, going away. And he gives people sums of money, his money, to look after. But he's going to come back. And he's going to ask what they did with that money. And the final parable is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Where there is a king who separates humanity, some on his left and some on his right. And he looks at their lifestyles. These four parables have certain things in common. They're all about an authority figure who is going and will return. They're all about dependent people who are accountable. Remember that word, please. Accountable. For what they have done with what he has given them, whether it's authority, whether it's money, whether it's gifts, whatever. They are accountable And he will return and hold them accountable. So what we have here in looking at this one parable is a parable which is set in terms of, well, the clever books call it judgment. Parables of judgment. I I found I didn't like the term, I felt that there were far more parables of warning. And the kingdom of heaven is not without its warnings. And I believe that that's what the, the Lord is wanting to say to us. I had a very painful occasion a few years back where I dealt with a man who was a Christian leader who, during our discussions, made some remarks which were intensely racist. And I found it necessary to take him aside at some occasion and say, hey, guy, this is is not on." And the response I got was, I've been born again. I've been filled with the spirit. What I think of other races is not a salvation issue. I'm glad somebody said, sure. Not a salvation issue. Doubtless people here who've been born again, filled with the spirit, I would hope so. But we are still given a warning. These 10 girls, what do they have in common? First, they knew that the bridegroom was coming. They all knew that. Do you know that the Lord is going to come back? I, I guess you do. How real is it for you that the Lord is going to come back and you're accountable for your lives? You really absorb that? These young girls all knew the bridegroom was coming. What else did they have in common? Lamps. They all had lamps. Now, what is a lamp? Well, it's something which gives light in darkness. But what is meant to represent in this parable? Now, again, looking at the books, and I looked at the books, they've got all sorts of clever ideas. In fact, my life group had the cleverest of them all. A lamp is something that is useless without oil. Something that is useless without oil. We come Sunday by Sunday here to the Scout Hall and we sing the praises of the Lord and we hear his word and what then? What do we do? We can speak very dismissively about religion. And we usually apply it to other churches. We, of course, are not religious, aren't we? What is your motive, your inner motive in coming? Is it to really praise God? Is it really to seek to learn what he wants to say to me and how I am to put that into practice? Is that really true? Or do I come just because I like the person to the left and to the right? It's an issue of motive, isn't it? Do we have oil in our lamp, or is it just a lamp? Because if it is, it's useless without oil. There are people who do enormously philanthropic things, who meet the needs of the poor, who set up institutions to help orphans or the hungry or whatever it is. And we say, yes, that's good. We do. Anything that is going to help somebody else that is going to relieve their misery, put food in their stomachs, clothes on their backs, a roof over their heads is good. But one wonders sometimes what the motive Of the philanthropist is. Is he doing this because he wants to bring glory to God? Lord, this is yours, you've guided me into it, and I give to you the glory. Or does he do it in order to have a street named after him or a statue put up in the marketplace? There's a subtle difference, you see, between the lamp and the oil that is in it. And what is the oil? Now here we had uh, more unanimity. People talked about the Holy Spirit. But that too is just a concept. What do you think about when you hear the Holy Spirit does? Well, what do you think about? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is he? If you tell me that you are full of the Spirit, I can't see that unless unless I see it in the pattern of your life. Unless I see you more and more reflecting Jesus. Unless I see you more and more touching the lives of other people and bringing joy and relief and hope and a sense of being loved. You've met people like that. Who've reached out to you and you felt loved, you have felt accepted. They've touched places which hurt in your life, memories, and suddenly you're encouraged and you're lifted up. It's very difficult, I think, to conceive of the Holy Spirit away from a sense of worship and a sense of change. The Holy Spirit is God. And he's God, as I see it here, as doing two things. He's reshaping me, he's making me different, really different in the way I react and to respond to God, in the way I respond to you, in the way I respond to the people who knock at my gate. And that's a painful memory. Well, I find I get tired of it. I find that I'm dealing with con people. But even con people can get hungry. Even exaggerators and liars have needs. And I find so often I'm very reluctant to meet them. (coughs) And I do believe, as they knock day by day, that the Lord is, is reshaping me. I hope so. The Holy Spirit reshapes us. But the Holy Spirit is also leads and guides us. Isaiah talks about hearing a voice behind him which says, this is the way, walk in it. Don't turn left, don't turn right. So the Holy Spirit is that in my life and my lifestyle and my mindset who is reshaping me in terms of The things I do, where he wants me to be at a particular time, what he wants me to say. Am I keeping in step with the spirit? That's Paul writing to the Galatians. Keep in step with the Spirit. Or is he just an idea in my mind which makes me feel good? That's a lamp without oil thoughts can be lamps too but when I begin to submit to the spirit as I've been singing the giving of myself allowing the spirit of God to work in me there's oil in the lamp what's God saying to you what are the areas in your life where you need direction. You need to know what to do. You need to know that to which you must commit yourself. I've been challenged recently by uh, Glenn and Gregon sitting down with me and saying, what in the last days of your life are you committing yourself to? And I have found that a very healthy question. And i now throw it at you. As you look at 2023, what are you going to commit yourself to in 2023 in terms of the kingdom of heaven? Are you just going to wander into the new year with a lamp? Or does it have oil in it? Are you going to go there with a sense that the Spirit lives in you and is talking to you and wants you to respond so that he can show you the way to go and shape your life around it. What are you going to commit yourself to? And what is the Lord saying to liberty? This has been raised again and again here. You remember A.D. talking about the word pregnant. Pregnant. I feel, along with A.D., I really do, that the Lord is wanting to do something with this body of believers. He wants to do a new thing. There is a kind of issue of pregnancy about it. He wants to produce something new. We then need to be walking, keeping in step with the Spirit. We need to know what the next stages are. And again, I've asked you to pray for the country. I'm now going to ask you also to pray for the elders and the leaders of this congregation, to commit to doing that, to hear the Holy Spirit telling you to, for they also make decisions, no, probably not quite as, uh, as vast decisions are going to be made by our politicians if they are. But important decisions, because they're the decisions of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God being formed here. The king asking us to do things. And I repeat, we are accountable. To see us standing before the king eventually and saying, what did you do? When I asked you to take this initiative... When I ask you to move into a area, what did you do? Would we be able to say, "Lord, you you gave me 10 shekels. Here is 10 more. Would we be able to say that? Yes, Lord, we did see the hungry and those in prison and those unclothed. we did see them. And we sought as best we could to reach out and and to touch them. What's God's assessment of liberty and of what it's doing? Because there comes a point in this parable of the uh, young girls where the door is shut. It, I find it quite frightening actually you know, and, and they were ready the guide could came they were ready they went in with him to the feast and the door was shut there comes an end to every one of God's seasons so Lord what are you saying to us? The theologians tell us that most of Jesus' parables begin with a question and end with a punchline. And the punchline is never an answer to the question. (laughs) Prodigal son. Tell me, and often probably goes on the Good Samaritan. Who can tell me what the punchline to the Good Samaritan is? Anybody? Go and do likewise. That's what the whole story is about. Go and do likewise. What was the question? Who is my neighbor? Go and do likewise isn't an answer to the question. Wrong question, Jesus saying. Wrong question, who is my neighbour? Go and do it. It rather changes things, doesn't it? There's another one, the unforgiving servant. Can you remember what the punchline is? To the story of the unforgiving servant, the, the guy who was given a big a huge debt and refused to forgive the debt of another? Unless you forgive, from your heart, your father won't forgive you. What was the question? How many times must I forgive my brother? Answer the punchline, unless you forgive from your heart. It's not an answer to the question. Don't count the times you forgive people. Don't count them. They don't matter. Just make sure that you forgive. Because unless you do, nor will your father forgive you. Prodigal son, what's the punchline? You are. The prodigal son is a story that doesn't have an end. Father comes out and says to the elder son, it is right that we should have a party because your brother has come home. And it ends. Well, did the elder son go into the party or didn't he? We're never told. The punchline is, Are you going to go in or are you going to stay out? It's it's a challenge to you. What is the punchline of this parable? Watch, for you don't know the day or the hour. Now, what does watch mean? I'd like you please to, if you have your Bibles with you or your pad, to turn to Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. And pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, here is directly, I believe, Jesus' words to us today Be careful. Guys, girls, be careful. The world we live in is not the kingdom of heaven. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. The words sound awful. They aren't, in fact. People like getting drunk in fact, there are people sitting in this hall now who've been thoroughly enjoyed a party where the alcohol has flown freely. Dissipation can be very attractive. Anxiety is perhaps less so. But I've said it before and I say it again. Satan does not fish with an unbaited hook. He lures us. He draws us. He too is in the job of changing. Be careful or your heart, says Jesus, will be weighed down. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. And the door was shut. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. Yes, you, me, some more be always on the watch the kingdom of heaven is made up of people who know the context in which they live who know what the temptations are who know what particular temptations attract them but also know that there is a living god who is so so good they're on the watch they're alert The context of of what is going on around them. And pray. Prayer is part of being alert. Prayer is part of watching. Genuine, deep prayer. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And here's the good news. That you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. good news gospel you may feel you haven't heard a great deal of it today that this has been a bit heavy but then you see jesus told the parable not me and he told the parable out of love and he's told the parable because he longed to see the bringing in of his kingdom into a disjointed Suffering, broken world. And he's now saying it to us. You live in a broken society, a society which is controlled by the prince of this world. We're seeking to work against the kingdom. But I've called you. I've called you that you should go and bear fruit. And that that fruit should remain. I'm giving you the with oil. I've given you the lamps. I'm also going to give you the oil in the lamps. Light those lamps. Walk into the darkness with those lamps. And I'm not sending you out, out there by yourselves. You're going where I already am. You are part of the active, the vital part of the kingdom which is moving into an area of darkness. You work in the context of darkness. You relax in the context of that darkness. You breathe its air. You were educated into it. But I'm going to change you. I'm going to give you the oil. And when the bridegroom comes, you will be ready. Your lamps will be lit. And when the door shuts, it will shut behind you. We're going to have a communion today. And uh, I want you not just to eat bread and drink grape juice. Thank you. That's lamps without oil. I want you to come up in a moment and get some bread and the juice and then go back to your seats. And I want you to just wait for a moment to think what is the Lord saying to me? What particular detail in my life am I touching on? What kind of direction am I going in? And where am I in this body called liberty? what is the Lord doing with it? What is he doing with me in it? Because when he comes, I want to be ready. Will you go and get bread and juice now, please. God sent Jesus into this world. He who is the king. The king rode into Jerusalem in fulfillment of the prophets, on a donkey, to be accepted or rejected. The world rejected him. And he went to the cross. But there, there, he established the kingdom. As you take the bread, would you please be conscious that he that he was hanging on that cross for you. For you as an individual, but also for us as liberty. He was giving to us the opportunity to move into his kingdom and into his salvation. He said, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me let's do that this is the new covenant in my blood whenever you drink it like now <coughs> do it in memory of me our, our friends christ has died christ is risen christ will come again. Amen.